Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. So today we're going to continue on in our series talking to farmers across Ohio. And today we've got Gene Baumgartner. He's a farmer in Fayette County joining us today. Gene, could you take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your farm operation? Yes, thank you, Elizabeth. Farm in northern Fayette and southern Madison County. Farm name is Ricketts Farm Incorporated. Uh, My father-in-law was the one that really uh, started putting this whole thing together, and we've tried to keep trying to keep actively growing over the years. We're farming about 1,900 acres of our own. We do we custom farm another. Uh, almost 700 acres for a local 2,200 cow dairy. On our farms, we're not typical uh, corn, soybeans. We we do uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, oats as a double crop, and this year, barley as a uh, a malting barley as a winter crop. And then we do uh, a lot of, try to get a lot of uh, cover crops uh, planted every year. We are not no-tillers per se. We do uh, some vertical till to uh, incorporate seed and to uh, make uh, the planting season go a little easier sometimes. So we sell c- crops to the dairy uh, and we get manure uh, coming back uh, from the dairy also. The crop following wheat is oats. We plant oats around the 1st of August and uh, harvest them for silage about the first or second week in October. That allows us to uh, have uh, manure application, uh, a couple hundred acres of manure application area every year for the dairy to uh, ease up their summer requirement to get rid of manure. We're relatively new in the community down here. We've been here 14 years, 15 years. So being new soil types and everything else, we started soil sampling uh, every other year so we could learn what we have here, learn what our base is, and then when we got associated with the dairy, we just kept that up because the associated or involved in their CAFO, confined animal uh, operation, we have to have soil samples. And that has that has allowed us to pare back our fertilizer rates considerably. We do we do pay a fee for the manure, but still it's uh, our, our overall fertilizer uh, bill has dropped uh, has dropped between accuracy and knowing what we have. Um, the, the use of cover crops and, and, and the use of manure. So uh, in a nutshell, that's that's sort of what we do. Well, that's pretty interesting. You don't find a lot of farms these days with such the diversification that you guys have. And it's really neat to hear and learn about how you're able to make all of those work together, complement and really benefit your farm. And on top of that, you've been experimenting with some cover crops. So what are some things you've learned from that? Well, um, we started uh, working with cover crops back in the 80s with my father-in-law. And um, luckily, some of our disasters were under his watch. So we've been able to reduce the numbers. Uh, The things we've learned over the years is when we started in it, there was very little direction on how much seed to use. uh, So we've we've paired our back to... uh, 20 to 30 pounds uh, of uh, winter grain crops. We we have not done most of our cover crop are just uh, either rye or triticale. We raise some of the triticale goes for uh, spring silage uh, for the dairy, 250 acres of it, um, and uh, that that is 
planted at a much uh, about 100 pounds of acre, uh, per acre of, of um, triticale. We do a lot of both. We do a lot for spring silage and then a good little bit just as I kind of have two terms for it. We have cover crops, which is winter wheat, winter barley, winter triticale, and then you have con conservation cover. And I think that's one thing that we should work to to make a differentiation. We will do four or 500 acres of conservation cover in addition to the cover crops. I'm not, I, I haven't gotten excited about uh, radishes and, and some of the other things. I think we'll, we will start working into some of those things, but our goal has been to keep our, for especially for conservation cover, keep our costs down with prices the way they are. There is a certain benefit from cover crops, but you can't, you can't spend the farm away uh, paying for the seed to do it. So we're, we're a little conservative on, on what we plant. I think that's fascinating how you take, the, take advantage of the opportunity that you have working with the dairy to really make all of these pieces fit together. You know, you've, you've got cover crops that work very well in your system, not only from a conservation perspective, but also, you know, that they fit really well with, with working with the dairy. So that's really interesting. Um, and you've always been, you know, I met you pretty early on when I started at Ohio State, and I've always been inspired by how conservation-minded you are and your attitude of trying to incorporate more conservation practices into your system. And a lot of the work I've been trying to do lately has, has again, been inspired by you and your let's try it and see how it works attitude. Well, if you don't try things, you may never fail, but you don't find the good things either. So you just keep trying. Yeah. Um, uh, we've done a lot of, you know, we've done a lot of tiling over the years. We, we put in dry dams to control the water runoff. You know, not everything is is 100% successful, but it's all improved, uh, I think, the soil quality and, and, and our water that runs off also. So that's just sort of the way we look at it. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're also one that really pushes to communicate to the broader community, you know, the efforts that you as a farmer are putting in to be a good steward of the land. And so I think that outreach that you do is incredibly important. And so that- well, we try. <laughs> Yeah. So that leads me into the next question I have for you. You know, that effort for outreach, I think, has really led to your involvement in the Corn Growers Association. Um, that's how I met you when I first came here was through the Southwest Corn Growers Association. And I know you're involved at both the state and national level with that organization. So what kind of activities do you do? Well, it's, over the years, we've done, uh, done a lot of things. We've been involved with the uh, Ohio corn growers for uh, nearly 20 years. I've uh, been on the, uh, the growers board and now um, I'm in my last year with the, the, the checkoff, uh, the corn checkoff board. Um, so it's, uh, uh, we've served on the national level as uh, <clears throat> one of the uh, action team uh, committee chairs for uh, uh, several years, and uh, then also chair of the NCGA uh, political action committee team that that uh, works with um, national corn growers. So uh, it's been a lot of fun over the years, and 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 um, I've always 
felt like I brought more home to the farm than the time I spent away. Uh, the networking that, that I've had the opportunity to do, the people that we've met, um, the information that we've gleaned by being at uh, Commodity Classic and uh, being just at, at meetings talking to people is has been very valuable, I think, for our farm organization. Yeah, you mentioned that you've been serving on the checkoff board. I know probably a lot of our listeners are curious what happens to those checkoff dollars. So what's the, that experience been like? Well, it's been it, it's been very interesting because um, you know we're there's there's a board of I think uh, eighteen farmers that are are charged with spending those dollars responsibly. You know it's not hired staff, it's not outside consultants. We rely on them to provide funding information for us, uh, but it's us up to us as farmers to decide how those dollars are spent. You know over the years. Uh, it, the, the emphasis has changed a lot. Uh, when I was uh, on the growers board and just was affiliated with the uh, checkoff board, there was a lot of money spent on local advertising and with pork industry promotion and beef industry in local store promotions. And we've changed our emphasis. Uh, uh, now we, we have, over the last several years, uh, spent a lot of uh, of checkoff dollars on water quality issues, on dealing with fallout phosphorus problems at Lake Erie, working with soil conservation, on making sure that farmers have best management practices available to them. Another area that we've we've spent a lot of time and uh, money in is uh, education, helping with programs to get more ag educators in the high schools. We've worked with the uh, uh, group that called Feed the World, which works with teachers. And uh, rather than teaching individual students about agriculture, um, we, we work with the science and teachers in high school, uh, ag teachers in high school, getting them information and materials to promote agriculture, to promote uh, they get more, way more touches with students than we ever could by hiring somebody, bringing the benefits of, of the agriculture community to, to the students in Ohio. So that's one, been one of our big, uh, our big pushes. But we also uh, have worked on uh, promoting ethanol, getting higher blends of ethanol into to the retail um, markets in Ohio. So it's, it's been a very broad portfolio of items of uh, projects that we've done over the years. That sounds like a really cool opportunity to get to work with all of that. And another interesting opportunity that you had recently was to go on a trip to Morocco and Cyprus. Um, that was agriculture related, correct? Yes, absolutely. And, and that was another uh, uh, extension of, of checkoff dollars from Ohio, and that's uh, through the U.S. Grains Council. Uh, the U.S. Grains Council is our promotion of corn, barley, uh, DDGs, ethanol, sorghum are the, the commodities that they promote throughout the world. Corn being one of the biggest funders of national, uh, U.S. Grains Council, and um, they do projects uh, around the world and, and throughout the year in contacting our customers, letting them know 
uh, what our quality is like as far as what is available in the U.S. as far as quality grains and doing demonstrations as far as when DDGs were just new in the marketplace, did feeding uh, demonstrations and da uh, for dairy, for, for beef, for aquaculture. And so yeah, I had the opportunity to uh, go on um, the fall corn quality rollout uh, to Morocco and Cyprus. And the corn quality rollout is uh, Grain Council pays for uh, independent lab to pull tests of grain throughout the Midwest. And it's random. Uh, they do several hundred samples from around the Midwest to get quality reading. We go and talk to our customers, tell them what's happened, you know, what, what we have. Do we have problems with cracking? Do we have uh, mold problems? Uh, do we have test weight problems and present that uh, awards and all it's it's a very open discussion with and you know most often uh, the quality of corn from the United States is is very good and and very consistent and that's that's one of the selling points that uh, really brings us uh, some credibility throughout the world so we had to visit, uh, got a chance to visit Morocco, uh, visit a, a training station in uh, uh, outside of Casablanca where they bring millers, they bring poultry producers, beef producers, and dairy producers in uh, to teach them about modern uh, agricultural production, um, how how to adapt modern agriculture on a small basis. Uh, uh, for chicken producers throughout the African continent. So it was, again, another very interesting and uh, uh, exciting adventure. And I, I had the opportunity to give a uh, presentation about what we do here on our farm, how we <clears throat> try to farm sustainably and, and using cover crops, using manure, uh, doing the kind of things that we do every year just as as part of the promotional activities of this of this trip it was very interesting to talk to uh grain buyers uh from all over north africa and the middle east to hear what their concerns are and and uh to hear what their questions were for the american farmer yeah that's awesome i remember when you told me you were going i was pretty jealous because that's a part of the world i hope i get the opportunity to see someday Aside from working while you were there, did you at least do a little bit of sightseeing? Oh yeah, we got, um, uh, it was basically two days or two and a half days in each, uh, each location, but we got around, we were, uh, we were in Morocco at the nice, uh, at the right time. It was just like here, it was early spring. And so everything was green and uh, very interesting. They said in the summer in the same places we were, it would get up to 130 degrees. And I was, I'm, I'm, I'm good not to be there then, but just very different uh, agriculture, of course. They, they raised some wheat and barley and, and uh, there were a lot of uh, uh, sheep uh, there, uh, sheep and goats as far as uh, livestock and so it was uh, it was very interesting uh, basically just traveled around the Casablanca area and then when we were in uh, Cyprus uh, just had a half a day away to, to go visit uh, Limon uh, which is uh, one of the cities small cities on Cyprus and we're in a castle that was first built in the 300s so that's way different than it is here but yeah got a little sightseeing but uh, 
mostly it was uh, spent in meeting times while we were there. Wow, the 300s, that is a very, very long time ago. Long time yeah. ago. So, Gene, spring is here, and you guys are a little wet right now, but hopefully you'll be getting in the field soon. What do you guys have planned for 2020? Uh, we, we, have, uh, we have killed some of our uh, conservation cover, and some of it we've left green. That that's going to beans, we have burned down, and, and part of it that's, that's going to corn. We've got about 300 uh, acres, though, of uh, going to corn that we have left grow, hoping that as it gets closer to time and we get a little sun and, and drying action, it will, the, the, uh, the rye will actually help dry the ground out. We've uh, planted corn into four-foot-tall triticale in the past, and um, and then rolled it down and, and got along well with it. So it's, there's there's all kinds of options. You know, you never know, again, uh, how necessarily it'll turn out, but I think it's, uh, we have a fairly educated guess that it'll be all right. So wow. that's, that's the plan. Oh, well, now you've opened the door, you know I'm going to try to talk you into doing some trials so that we can report those results in e-fields, right? Sure. So stay tuned for results from Gene's farm coming this winter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to have to come out and, and, and take a look and see what you want because uh, we got options. I am definitely going to take you up on that. All righty. Well, Gene, first I'd like to thank you for your service to the industry. You're a great representative for Ohio farmers, and we really do appreciate everything you do here in Ohio nationally and around the world to help promote Ohio agriculture. And then secondly, thank you so much for joining us today for this podcast. You know, I'm very excited to share more about your farm with our listeners. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Elizabeth. And good luck with planting. Hopefully it dries out soon. Yep. Hope so. Hope so. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.